I want you to know that Clara tricked me. She agreed with me that since this was the holiday week, that there'd be just a handful of people here this morning. <laughs> so, I'm Cindy McBride. I forgot to pick up a name tag this morning, but oh well. As you know, I've just turned 70 years old. And guess what? I am falling in love. I've never married, although I've had boyfriends through the years, in case you were wondering. <laughs> in fact, one summer, I had three guys tell me that God told them I was the one for them. <laughs> but it never worked out. You know, either I wanted to be committed and they didn't, or they wanted to and I didn't, and so we just went on our ways. But now... I'm falling in love, and I'm really excited about getting to know this person. I've spent time, I, I love spend, spending time with this person, getting to know the inner self. I've, I've known this person a long time, actually, but I'm only just now getting to know the real person within, and so I'm discovering that I'm falling in love with that real person. Would you like to see a picture? Ooh. I'm falling in love with me. Does that seem weird? <laughs> Let's pray. Father God, we come before you now and just commit this time. Open our hearts to hear your word. We bless what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, or vice versa. <laughs> this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, most of us are very familiar with this scripture. We've heard many sermons about loving God. We've heard many sermons about loving other people. But how many sermons do you recall about loving yourself? Anybody? One, two, three? Okay. Not many, huh? But it's there, isn't it? <sighs> I've read about it in books, but I can't recall any sermons about loving myself. It sounds kind of egotistical in a way, doesn't it? I mean, love yourself. Aren't we supposed to die to ourselves? Yeah. I recently heard this well-known speaker in front of 2,000 people saying, Jesus, kill me! This is very dramatic, you know. <laughs> and doesn't uh, Romans 12, 3 say, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought? Well, how many of you know uh, personally know lots of people that think more highly of themselves than they ought. You know a lot of people. Oh, okay, a few. I know some in my 70 years, I, a few here and there. I haven't known a lot, really. But let me ask you this. How many of you know people that don't think well enough of themselves as they should? There's a few more hands. Almost all of you raised that hand. And that's been my experience as well. 
the other is, has not been as big a problem loving self as not loving self. How many of you, oh, well, in the second commandment says, love your neighbor as yourself. How many of you can truthfully say, I love myself? One, two, three, a few. All right, cool. That's great. We are, after all, created in the image of God. Genesis 1, um, you know, let me just step back. A few of us maybe love ourselves, but most of us don't. And why not? Why do we not love ourselves? So in Genesis 1, God's revelation of himself to us, the very beginning, we see that God created man and woman in his own image. In his own image, he created them and God blessed them and saw that all he had made was very good. So why don't we love ourselves then? Is it because we're made of dirt? <laughs> well, we seem to think so, you know. We are actually born this very innocent and impressionable baby. But we live in a fallen world. And the things of this world impact us, whether for good or for bad. And even the best of parents are human and make mistakes. And most of us really haven't had the best of parents. In the book Captivating, the elders say, the only thing more tragic about what has happened to us is what we have done with the things that have happened to us. Words were said, painful words. Things were done, awful things were done. And they shaped us. And something inside of us shifted. And we came to the point where we accepted this twisted view of ourselves. We embrace the message of the wounds. Now, we had help doing that. The enemy of our souls, of course, took our woundedness, our hurts, our, exploited our shame, our self-doubts, our self-accusations. So we believe the whispers of the enemy deep down in our inner being. And perhaps not even outwardly conscious of what's going on deep down. I'm not good enough. I'm not good at all. It's not important. I'm not important enough for you to do anything with me or care about me, and so on. You know, I'm old school, so I brought a visual aid, even though I have a PowerPoint, thanks to Anna. Um, Here's this wonderfully made person. And what happens is things happen. The devil interferes. Um, condemnation comes in. Rejection. 
religion, shame, the world, the devil again, he's busy, <laughs> trauma, and in all of this, look what's happening. And more, the flesh, lies, anger, all these things, more flesh. They begin to cover us up, cover up who we are. You get the idea. <clears throat> Although in our minds we say, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Yeah, that's our mind. But inside, way deep, many of us don't believe it. Many of us believe that God lives in a perpetual state of disappointment or disapproval of who we are. Oh, sure, God loves me. I mean, that's his job, you know, to love us. Uh, but really, I'm not very lovable. Only God can love me. <laughs> There's a book that um, I've discovered, Becoming Myself, that hopefully in the new church, I'm going to get, uh, have a small group of women to study this. But um, it's by Stacy Eldridge, and I found some really... Uh, th good things there that I could identify with. One of the things she, they, or she talks about is there are two general ways of viewing these woundedness issues here. Um, these two views are very prevalent in the body of Christ. And the first one is, just get your act together. You know, um, meaning the pressure is on us. Ignore the past. Be more disciplined. Be more faithful. Be more humble. Be more loving. Be more whatever, you know? Try harder is this message. And this is pretty frustrating when we're trying as hard as we can and it's not working very well. This view does not understand that God has a responsibility of transformation in our lives. The other view is, well, Cindy, it isn't about you. So stop looking inward. Just serve. Just obey. Just set aside your own desires. You know, that's what I did. Some of you heard on Sunday, I set aside my desire in art, I offered it up to God. I gave it up to serve him as a missionary in Africa. You know, it wasn't until many years later that I discovered he wasn't asking me to give it up. Isn't that sad? But it sounds so biblical. But sometimes when we are not really being led by the Holy Spirit, it can kill us some of the things that we give up that God had no intention of us giving up. 
I once prayed for an individual. She became a Christian during college. She was so excited, a wonderful young lady. She joined that organization, that Christian organization, and little by little, she started giving up or conforming, giving up who she was until finally she realized that she liked herself better before she became a Christian than after she became a Christian. Isn't that sad? I had another person that um, believed that becoming a Christian meant that she had to lay down who she was. That, uh, the, she, so she buried the desires in her heart and wrote them off as being worldly or selfish, not spiritual. How many of us have prayed, oh, I just I want to be a better person. I want to be like Clara, or I want to be like, like Brother Lawrence, or, or I want to be like Mother Teresa. I need a transplant. Lord, make me somebody else, please. Well, when this second view says it's not about you, that doesn't work either. We can't say that because you know what? It is about me. Jesus died for me. And he died for you. It is about you. He paid a very high price for me and for you. And that makes us valuable. We are valuable. I was trying to talk to a fellow missionary about this, when the stirrings of this, there's something about me that's good, not bad. And I was trying to talk, and he brought up this verse here, Romans 3.10, there is none that are righteous. No, not one. Well, there it is. I mean, I'm not good after all. I mean, how can you refute scripture? There it is, you know? I didn't have a comeback for him, but in deep down, I knew there's something, I, I couldn't tell what it was, but there was something off about the context of what he's saying about me and what I was trying to begin to feel about me. But remember, these things down inside, they get covered up. The me down inside with the woundedness, the brokenness, the world, the flesh, the devil. We believe the lies. There's more. It's, it's all the same. You know, time goes on. More stuff. It just covers us. On and on. But Jesus came to restore the glorious creature that you are and then set you free. If Christ shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. Free to love yourself. Um, remember that speaker that said, Jesus, kill me. Well, my cry is, Jesus, resurrect me. Because I'm already dead. I've buried myself. <laughs> uh, I've done a pretty good of burying myself. I don't need Jesus to kill me. 
what would happen if we replaced the lies about ourselves that we have lived, uh, that the lies that we have lived by, and replaced them with the truth of what God says about us? We are the beloved ones. But the key is to choose to believe who we are as God says that. Yes, he sees us through the blood of Jesus and Jesus' righteousness. He also sees how he knit us together in our mother's womb and that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. When we believe what he says about us, then we can rest in the knowledge that he's the one that's responsible for our transformation. We must flex our muscles of faith and choose to believe him during the moments when we feel like it and in the moments when we don't feel like it. A few months ago, I was in an art workshop, and uh, uh, the teacher had set up guidelines for how we were going to set up around this model. And one of the ladies didn't want to follow those guidelines and set up her way. And I resented that because that, it wasn't fair. So I was upset. And then I got upset for being upset because, well, I should have been more forgiving. I suppose I'm the spiritual person. I should have let it go, but it had upset me. And then, boy, I was really upset. My, my joy was stolen for a good hour painting this person, you know. And just uh, <clears throat> I was a failure as a Christian until the Lord showed me that this resentment or whatever it was was an adornment on the outside of me. It was an ugly adornment, but it was not my identity. Just something on me. And I realized that's not who I am. And so that self-condemnation just lifted off of me. And I was free to just paint away. I mean, it was wonderful. We are not defined by our sin, our failures, our past. We are forever and only defined by the finished work of Jesus. Even the process of removing all of this stuff, you know, that's Jesus' job to remove all of this stuff. And you know what? Jesus has x-ray vision. He sees below all of that stuff. He sees this person underneath. Even if I can't, he does. But as he begins that transformation, I begin to see little holes here and there of who I really am. When that transformation happens, he sees the teleos, the completeness of who I really am. He sees the fullness of all we really are as he created us. And he is in the process of calling us out to be that person. John 8.32 says, we can know the truth, and the truth will set us free. 
when he lovingly made us, he put together a wonderful creation and instilled within us his desires for us. When we respond to his love for us, it gives him access to the places in our hearts where his dreams and his desires are planted. God speak to us, speaks to us there about himself, about ourselves. And when we believe that he loves us, we become open to the more that God wants us to have. So I have some quotes from this book, Becoming Myself. Uh, one of the things he wants is your heart to become more alive, more awake, more aware of your own inner workings and his pleasure over who you are. Awakening and owning the dreams that God has placed in our hearts is about embracing who we are and who he has created us to be in him. We can't love him with our whole heart when our hearts are asleep. And many of your dreams and desires have been given to you by God for you to awaken, to embrace, to nurture, pursue, and then offer back to him. Let God use your dreams to guide you into the fuller expression of your unfolding glorious self. God desires to have relationship with us. Think of the wedding of Canaan. It's probably a seven-day celebration, and here is the Son of God. He's just about to embark on all of his God is three years to affect all of eternity, and he's got the to-do list, I tell you. But here he is taking seven whole days to join in on this wedding celebration. Why would he do that? And it's all about relationships with him. He enjoyed the relationship, the celebration of relationship. There is something in people, something in me that Jesus is attracted to, not repelled by, but attracted to. He connects with me. One of the models we had one time was this really extremely shy, quiet, little gal that just barely even spoke a word and when she did it you know what did you I mean she was really inward but afterwards uh, I was with her when she was waiting for her ride and so I asked her well what brings you life her whole face lit up she said oh music I'm learning the violin and she went on and on and talked about this area that's giving her life and we connected and this gal has always had a special place in my heart since that time because we connected. And that's how Jesus is with us. He's connected to us. He is attracted to us. There's something special in you and you and you and me that he is attracted to this person right here. One of the neatest thing is, you know, he wants intimacy, but he doesn't want intimacy with the person that 
you think you should be. He wants intimacy with the real you. God is awakening every area of my life to life. He's awakening my mind to be able to believe that all he has made and all he has made me is good. My prayer. Jesus, awaken me. <coughs> Excuse me. Awaken me. <coughs> now, why should I wake up? Why don't I just go through life the best I can, half awake, half dead, half buried? Why should I disturb all these layers that are hindering me and keep, that are keeping me from loving myself? Well, go back to that second commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Folks, it's my very firm belief. Thank you, Chris. I'll take it. <clears throat> that we, it's my firm belief that <clears throat> we're only going to be able to love our neighbor to the degree that we love ourselves. If we're only half loving ourselves, then we're only half loving others. And to be honest, if our heart is not fully open to love, we're only half loving God and not giving him our whole heart. Of course, it all starts with God. You know, he, we love because he first loved us. But loving others is one of the unexpected pleasures that I have experienced as I have begun this journey to love myself. It hasn't been any effort on my part like it has in the past. You know, in the past, I've tried. I will love others. I'm a Christian. Of course I love others. But, you know, the harder I tried, the more it didn't work. But I have a new perspective now. Now I get to love others. I get to love me. Totally different. So I'm on an adventure of discovering who I really am. This creature whom God lovingly brought forth and breathed life into. He's working on it. It's a process, you know. It's a process. <clears throat> I'm on an adventure, falling in love with myself. Isaiah 62, 2, 4, and 12. You will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. No longer are you called desolate, but married. No longer are you alone or unseen. Your name is sought after. Beloved, mine, no longer are you called unwanted. Your name is prosperous, beautiful, and good. 
from that place of being profoundly and forever embraced, we love who he has made us. And this part is of loving Jesus back. Then we offer that love to the world. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. What's the greatest commandment? Yeah. And the second is like it. So I'm going to say a prayer here. And if you like, you can pray this prayer with me about loving myself. And then we're going to wait and let God speak to your, to your hearts for a couple minutes. So <clears throat> let's pray. Jesus, I choose to believe that I am your beloved and that your desire is for me. I choose to believe that I am no longer forsaken or deserted, but that I am your delight, sought after, and dearly loved. Jesus, I want to become the person you have in mind for me to be. Show me who that person is. Show me who I really am who I was always meant to be. Tell me my true name. Give me an image of who you, are, you see me becoming. Give me eyes to see and ears to hear and the courage to accept what you are saying. Tell me, Jesus. So let's wait and you listen for what Jesus would say to you. Lord, I pray that you will seal in our hearts the truth of how delighted you are in us because we are valuable sons and daughters of your creation. I bless each one of us here. In Jesus' name, amen. So now, whatever Jesus told you during that time, tell somebody. Tell what Jesus told you about yourself. Okay. That's all. You're dismissed. We'll have the prayer team would like to come up. Thank you for coming on this holiday week. You can come up for any reason. It might be physical, healing, or... Something at work, whatever.